He's saying he's, he's pulled in different directions. He's saying this is a man who is married. He is concerned, as he ought to be, about how to please his wife. Paul does not say that the person who is married should not be concerned with how to please his wife. And he says the problem is he also has to be concerned with how to please the Lord, and it can be hard to figure out how to do both at the same time. So, for example, Paul, being single, felt perfectly free to go into a town and start preaching the gospel in places that would you know, get him beaten up and possibly killed. That's fine if you don't have a wife and kids and a mortgage. But if you do, then you may not be called to do precisely that same thing. I think what Paul is saying here is that he wants his people to be spared anxiety, but he does want them to give proper concern to the things that they ought to be concerned about. So when we experience that feeling of anxiety or of concern or even worry, again, we don't make the feeling happen, but we do get to decide what we do when we experience it, when we notice it. And I think what we have to first consider is, am I being pulled here? Is something weighing on me? Is something drawing my attention because there's something that I am responsible for, right? So Paul says of the person who's married, he is concerned about making sure that he pleases his wife. If my wife is unhappy, it is entirely appropriate for me to be concerned and to think, what did I do? What did I fail to do? But what is my responsibility to ensure that she's not unhappy? Where is there something that I am supposed to be doing that I'm failing to do or something I need to stop doing? Where are the things that I can actually affect? So sometimes we feel a certain amount of anxiety that is going to be discharged, going to be addressed if we do the thing that is is weighing on our conscience. We may even be feeling conviction. This may even be the experience of hearing the Holy Spirit, hearing this still small voice tell us, yeah, you need to get off the dime and get working on that. But it's also the case that we can feel this sense of worry or anxiety because of fear, because there's some uncertainty, or there's a fairly high degree of confidence that something unpleasant is going to happen. And I think the challenge for us when we do experience that is to figure out what it is that we can do something about and what we can't. Things we can do things about can be matters of concern. It's entirely appropriate to be concerned or to give attention to things that we can do something about. If my wife is unhappy because I have left off cleaning the dining room table off until right before this party that we're hosting, and in fact it is not clean before she leaves, and so she's going to wonder while she's away all day whether it has been cleaned up like it's supposed to be, just hypothetically, 
that's something that I can, that I can do something about that. I can do something about that, right? I can, like, clean the table off. I should have cleaned the table off sooner. I'm sorry. But if she's anxious about a medical test, the results of which she hasn't gotten yet, that there's nothing that I can do about that. So any concern I give to that really is simply anxiety. It's not concern. There's nothing I can do about it. There's nothing I'm responsible for. That's just worrying. Not saying it doesn't happen. But we do different things with concern and with worry. With concern, we address the things that we need to address. With anxiety, we do exactly what Paul said in Philippians, which is, in everything, by prayer and petition, to present our concerns to God. Or, as Peter put it, throw your anxieties on Jesus. That is one of the most wonderful things, I think, about prayer is it is the opportunity for us to take all of the things that we can't do anything about and give them to somebody who can do something with them. We get to take all of the things that we are powerless to control and we get to bring those to somebody who has the power to actually do something. It's also a way in which we are empowered to do the things that we can do, the things that we should do. And so how this cashes out in marriage is it's really important to understand the difference between what it is that you can control and what it is that you can't. Inevitably, the very first lesson that spouses have to learn is that the number one thing they can't control is each other. You cannot make somebody do something or stop doing something, no matter how hard you try. And trying hard usually is counterproductive. I mean, I seriously, it it took me a year when Mary and I were first married to close the shower curtain. Seriously, it took a year of her reminding me that this was important. Of her offering every carrot and stick imaginable for me to close the stupid shower curtain. It took a year for me to do that. And it didn't happen because she made it happen. It happened because ultimately I took responsibility for what I needed to take responsibility for. I adopted different habits. I'm sure Mary prayed. And if you want to call grumbling about me to God, praying. But she couldn't change me. She can't change me. Much as she would like to. But what she can do is pray for me. What she can do is look at the ways in which she can behave in a way that is going to be conducive to domestic tranquility, as the preamble of the Constitution puts it. 
What she can do is address the things that she can address. And there are plenty of those. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, a married woman is concerned about worldly matters, how she can please her husband. She is supposed to be concerned about these things. She is supposed to address them. She is supposed to pay attention. It seems one of the problems going on at Corinth was not only that you had unmarried people living like married people, but you had married people who had somehow gotten it into their heads that because they're following Jesus and they're part of the church, which is the bride of Christ, that they didn't need to pay any attention to their actual spouses, which is bad marketing for Jesus, for one thing, and is also a failure to fulfill what it is to be married. No. Paul's saying that the people who have concerns about worldly, practical matters should address those concerns, shouldn't let those go. 